Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. Well, the full-time whistle has just gone at St. James' Park and the good news is Chelsea don't play football for six more weeks. Joining me on the podcast for the first time this season. It's been a while since I last had him on. Obviously, time uh, time zones can make that quite hard, but it's a pleasure to get him on, albeit in the circumstances are not ideal. But it's RJ at RJ Good Things. RJ, my man, how are we doing? All things considered, the world hasn't collapsed, although... The Chelsea world has indeed felt quite painful in recent times, but amongst all of the grey clouds, I do see some moments of light, bright light here and there, but yeah, it's a bit of a feeling blue being blue at the moment. Yeah, no, exactly. exactly. It's not a, not an amazing feeling being a Chelsea fan right now, but we've got six weeks to just, you know, get over it and we can, you know, get let down by our, our respective countries at the World Cup or or whatever. <laughs> As I always do get, I get them to give themselves a plug. So RJ, why don't you tell people where they can find you and also your your work with the IFT crew? Sure. Thanks, Nick. So yeah, um you can find me, like Nick said, at RJ underscore good things on Twitter where I just post my um game analysis and commentary throughout and in between games. And I co-host a podcast with two other Premier League friends of mine who are Arsenal and Manchester United fans, respectively. We call It's a Football Thing, and we stream twice a week. So if you want to check out some Premier League reviews and previews, give us a follow at the IFT Pod on YouTube. Yeah, the links to that will be in the description below. And as I said, great, great content that RJ is putting out there. Right, RJ, it's been a tough week, but let's get... Let's get to, I guess, the lesser important of the two games. Manchester City in the Carabao Cup. Given that the next round of the Carabao Cup happens, I believe, like a literally a day after the World Cup final, I don't think it's necessarily a huge blow that Chelsea are out of that competition. We got a tough draw. We got drawn away at Manchester City and we lost 2-0. Um, just, But what were your thoughts and feelings on, on that game itself? Because there were actually, given how poor Chelsea had been, you know, disappointing Chelsea had, had been to watch, the two league games prior to that in Arsenal and Brighton, there hadn't necessarily been many positives to take from that. They did feel that there were actually some things to take away from that Manchester City tie. Yeah, like you said, it's the lesser of the important competitions at the moment. It was a difficult draw. But when I reflect on the game against the Citizens, I thought we did well initially to withstand the early onslaught, much like our game against Newcastle, actually, to be fair. I thought we grew a little bit compared to the Brighton disaster. And I thought throughout the contest against City, while you expected them to dominate possession and look a lot slicker on the ball, which is natural under a long-term manager of Pep, there were several opportunities that I thought we did conjure up when we were able to beat their intense press. And I thought, obviously, 
the number one player who again had some positive moments in this clash was the young prospect in Lewis Hall, who I thought made his second appearance for the club in the in the top grade and looked very confident. He he dribbled past successfully on a few occasions and earned some well-earned fouls. On another night, he might have had two goals at least had his arch nemesis in goal Ortega had not thwarted him. But overall, I actually thought we, we played quite well and it was unfortunate the way in which we conceded conceded the two goals. But there were some improved performances as well from even players like Kukurea, who has received a lot of criticism since his signing. But yeah, again, wasn't an ideal result. Getting knocked out of any trophy competition hurts. The lesser of two evils. But overall, it was actually an encouraging display, I would call that one. Yeah, no, indeed it was. And I said, it's unfortunate. We did miss our chances uh, to take the lead in that game. And then you just get punished. You give away a free kick in a dangerous area. Freer Morris to score. And then City kind of killed that game off a few minutes later with, with Alvarez tapping home. And look, mm. Chelsea did miss miss some opportunities. So Lewis Hall missed a couple of, a couple of chances. Uh, we also, I guess, some down up. We had it before we had a goal disallowed uh, toward, towards the end just with players. Stood offside, but yeah, we we went out the Carabao Cup, and and it wasn't wasn't the end of the world. There was something to take from it, and also, I you know, I don't think there was necessarily huge expectations from that. And the Carabao Cup, given where it lands, I don't think is anything to necessarily worry or stress about too much. And look, it just saves me seven pound forty three on some Wembley postage. Uh, that's one less set of postage <laughs> if we uh, for any potential trips to Wembley this year. So so that's always a, a positive as well. Um, yeah, the Carabao Cup said you know Zachariah got a start. Uh, as well, RJ, I guess mm. this is my only complaint. Obviously, uh, Armando Breyer did get a start as well in the Carabao Cup. That was nice. I guess my only complaint, and I will then caveat by saying it was nice to see that he actually trusted Lewis Hall in this game, was it It did disappoint me that Amari Hutchinson was bought in, was part of that squad uh, that travelled to that game, and he was unable to get minutes during that cup tie. That would probably be, I guess, my only qualm, as I said, with Graham Potter, you know, if results are not necessarily going his way and right now they're not going his way, I think there are little things he you can do to just, you know, get yourself some good buy-in with fans. And as we have seen uh, in, in the Premier League draws of Brentford and Manchester United, he wasn't afraid to, to throw on Carnage or make a, at nil-nil in both those games. So for you, was it a bit disappointing not to see Amari Hutchinson brought on at 2-0 down? Obviously, you know, the subs he made were kind of subs to, to get back into the game. So obviously he felt that Chelsea could still get back into the game, but why are you just a bit disappointed that Hutchinson could not really get onto that, you know, get onto pitch given the subs were made with about 20 minutes to go? Yeah, well, that's right. Like, we heard a lot of hype about young Amari. He has earned that hype based on the way he's been performing and training with the first team. And like you said, at that point, because the game was pretty neck and neck in that quick fire double, which was quite unfortunate the way in which we conceded them. It was almost just a big decision that needed to be made by Potter in the sense of, do you bring on these senior players because you still have a genuine belief that you can continue to to try to compete in the arm wrestle? Or do you accept the result for what it is and give this young player a bit of a taste in the top flight? I, I thought, look, it's just a risk appetite decision. It was a disappointment for me personally because I, I would have wanted to see him because... You never know. Like with Carney, it's not necessarily conceding that you want to win the game. This person in that environment might actually come out to be a diamond in the rough and actually use that to springboard some more stronger performances after his debut. So, look, it was disappointing not to see him come on, especially because it was too nil. It was not risk-free environment, but it was almost like the odds were heavily stacked at that point is there really much to lose by giving this person an opportunity? Perhaps the flip side of that argument is not only did he bring on the more experienced players because he thought there was a better chance of winning, but also is it is it a good experience to put him in a losing outfit? Because if you bring him on and we concede a third goal and a fourth goal, it might have some scarring memories. So who knows ultimately why he excluded him, but it was a shame because he's on the fringe. And I do think that hopefully over this next period during the World Cup time, he works with that first team. And who knows, come January time, there's lots of games coming thick and fast. I do expect to see him at least make a couple of appearances this season. Yeah, yeah, indeed. We'll kind of leave the Carabao Cup talk there and we move on 
to Newcastle. Now, RJ, Newcastle away, reality is they're flying this season. They've drawn at home mm-hmm. to Manchester City. They've gone to Spurs away and won. They've drawn Manchester United and they nearly got, got a pointer at Anfield as well. So we knew the task we were up against. And I think probably for the first time in a fair few years, Chelsea actually went into this game as underdogs, which I just shows the current state both clubs are in. Given the fact we were underdogs, given the players we had out injured, obviously Raheem Sterling uh, wasn't wasn't included in the squad. He was ill. Kukurella was uh, was ill, so he he was only able to, to to feature off the bench. Given all the you know situation, Chelsea, the one 0 result is obviously disappointing. It's a third consecutive loss in the Premier League. But what were just your thoughts and feelings on that on that game overall? Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of heavy reaction post-match because who likes to lose? No one, of course. And it's it's we look lacklustre in attack in terms of being able to find our potency in front of goal. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration lies. And I can understand that because under Graham Potter's Brighton, they're a team that interestingly also struggled to convert their chances, but they looked a lot more free-flowing in attack. And naturally, how I like to think things take time, didn't just happen overnight when he took over Brighton. But for us, we're a club that's used to instant success. But this particular match, I thought, similar to how City approached us, they dominated the early exchanges, which is understandable, being the home team and being a team in very rich form, playing really well under a manager that's had some time to really solidify his ideas, bring in a couple of players that really suit the way of football he likes to play. And I just thought that, we did actually pretty well to keep them at bay for as long as we did. And for as possession dominant, for as intense press that they applied to us, they themselves struggled to conjure up any really meaningful opportunities. I thought of the Almiron volley from 15 yards out that went well over and well wide. But apart from that, Mendy was pretty quiet. He made some good claims. The defenders made some last-ditch tackles. Trevor Chalabar, Thiago Silva obviously didn't help with Loftus-Cheek going down injured in the fourth minute with Thiago having to come on. Again, that wasn't part of the plan. But overall, I thought, despite us looking rusty without being able to maintain a string of possession and really um, foster up too many chances ourselves, we were competitive. I thought, yes, it wasn't the prettiest of football at times, but there were some half moments that under different circumstances and with different personnel available at the time, we we probably make more of those half chances and I dare say get more of a rhythm in the game. But then again, the second half started pretty much like the first half. We struggled to hold them. They were winning the arm wrestle. But then we were starting to find a little bit more space. Pulisic came on. I thought he was he was looking quite bright. Him and Mount were working together well. Lewis Hall quite strong. Connor Gallagher with a really good counter-pressing move drew a really strong save from Nick Pope. So it was that moment in the match where we were starting to say, hang on a minute, it's nil all here. We can actually maybe get something from this. And lo and behold, a moment of confusion at the back between Koulibaly and Lewis Hall to allow Almiron to cut inside and I do feel for Mendy because it looks like Almiron's about to have a shot in himself so he's planted himself one way and then Willett comes out of nowhere and just side foots it perfectly into the far right corner so it was a beautiful goal but it really came out of nothing and that's how much I thought the game had kind of panned out itself we had a few half opportunities they created a couple of half opportunities. Then towards the end, it got really, really scrappy. Seven minutes was given. That was raising a few eyebrows. But then I felt that the longer the game panned out, we didn't really do enough to say we could have had another 97 minutes and it still wouldn't have gotten us a goal. But that's just how I felt. Yeah, no, I would... I would agree with you there, RJ said. Unfortunately, with Chelsea, we don't really look like scoring a goal and that is an issue we have to solve. Uh, we are strong to score goals uh, under Graham Potter. Obviously, that's um, yeah. We didn't score like, at Man City. We didn't score today. We didn't score against Arsenal. Obviously, we did score uh, against Zagreb. But yeah, we are sort of struggling to to score goals a little bit right now. Um, players' confidence, etc. And look, what I will say is 
that front three today was, I mean, again, I mean, Conor Gallagher, as I say, he put in a hell of a shift. He ended up playing, doing a stint at uh, wing back as well for, for a little mm-hmm. bit in that second half today. But what I will say, and, and it's not just on, on the attack, because the attack do often get a lot of blame, but ultimately we were trying to get hold of the ball. And when we did get hold of the ball, there were numerous times when we did not get back link from midfield to attack. There'd be misplaced passes from from players like Kovacic, etc. Driving for Kovacic, bringing player, but there are times his pass is not going Strange. There's not much we can do. Armando Broy, I thought, you know, he worked hard out there today. He didn't get much service, but he got one one decent ball from Lewis Hall, and that was created, you know, the only shot on target we had in that first half with that tournament shot, which was straight yeah. to uh, Nick Pope. But again, there was not much really fit for him to live off in in that game, and it's it's really a tough one. I thought, as I said, defensively, we were we were fairly solid tonight. I thought, as I said, I didn't think Newcastle for all the pressure and that we, Newcastle essentially just swarmed us there at the start. Saying we couldn't really get out of half. And Newcastle got the ball back and they'd win the ball back quickly. And we try them. If we clear, you know, we get the ball and we just clear it and it would just come back. But Newcastle, for all that, they did not really do anything. There was obviously that one moment where I think Kovacic had to make a, a block for, from a Gamirez, uh, Bruno, a Bruno shot in that second half. But genuinely, there wasn't, you know, much to really, for us to deal with. It was just one of those games where it was actually just pretty tight. And ultimately, a moment of individual brilliance won that game. Newcastle were probably the more dominant side throughout the game, more more controlling side in that game, but it never felt one where we were under siege. It, ne- it didn't feel Arsenal, the one nil defeat to Arsenal, I was, you know, felt Arsenal just controlled and controlled and controlled. And albeit even then, I didn't think they created loads, but they did create a lot more than, uh, and were more threatening than Newcastle were today. But today, it just, yeah, today did not feel as bad as a lot of people, you know, make it out to be. Um, the reality is, We've lost a game that I kind of, in our current state, I expect us to. We're not at full strength. We've got key players injured. Newcastle are, are pretty much near at full strength and are flying. You know, it is what it is. I've seen Chelsea sides. I've seen a lot better Chelsea sides go to a, play a lot worse Newcastle sides at St. James Park and lose. I've seen us, when we were going for the league under Mourinho, lose there, lose our first game of the season. There. It's a tough place to go. And Newcastle right now are really, really flying. It's... Yeah, it's a tough one. I can't be too annoyed about that game. RJ, we'll just get into some performance quick again because Lewis Hall, we touched on his first Premier League start. I think Sky Sports said he was like the youngest Chelsea player, youngest start for a Chelsea player in the Premier League since, since 2007. Um, again, I thought, you know, he didn't really put too much of a foot wrong. Obviously, there are a couple of times, you know, he, he maybe he got beaten, etc. But generally, you know, that was a fairly solid outing. Not, not, not amazing, but at the same time, not awful. He didn't look out of his depth at all. It was just a, you know, a solid first outing in the Premier League. Yeah, no, for sure. I thought there was a couple of moments where, similar to the City game, he looked fairly comfortable and and not very fearful on the ball. And, and actually, he, he linked up quite well with Mason Mount on a few occasions, particularly in that first half where he released him down the channel and they linked up quite well. And the chance you highlighted, that was a very good, precise pass into the feet of Armando Breuer, who was able to fashion a shot as unfortunately went straight at Pope. But there were, being balanced, of course, there were a couple of moments where he, he found himself out of position by being a little bit too eager with his press and it kind of left us, it left us exposed on that left-hand side. And Koulibaly had to bail him out a couple of times and same with Thiago Silva. But overall, if I'm Graham Potter and I'm looking at Lewis Hall, I'm thinking there were a lot more positives than negatives with his individual display. And if I'm thinking more critically about the performance, he wouldn't be someone where I'd be putting as a red flag of a needs an immediate rectification. I actually think, strangely, out of all of the injuries that have come, which obviously is a problem, Having these kinds of young players come in, be given an opportunity during these circumstances is a bit of a shining light. So I hope that he continues that mentality, Graham Potter, to be able to, albeit driven by a circumstance, give players like Lewis Hall an opportunity because if you don't try them, you don't know. And I think he's one of several good players that we do have. But admittedly, I still have some questions over some of the selections that Graham Potter either does um, at the start of his lineups or in-game. And specifically, I'm talking about Hakim Ziyech. He created a couple of good chances against Manchester City, yes. But there is time and time again, this player, for every really good thing he does, he does two very average things slash poor things. So I do wonder if we're a club that's looking to try to 
turn a leaf and start afresh, we, why do we continue to try and use players that seemingly are not part of this new chapter? So, but that's just a bit of a gripe I have. Yeah, no, again, I could be gay. And obviously, you know, bear, think back to a Capricorn play, do we need to bring Hakim Ziyech on over someone like Amari Hutchinson in back? Mm. Sort of Carabao Cup. Oh, no, sorry, Ziyech probably, again, I think Ziyech started, didn't he? So it throw, throw that point. But still, it's just one of those things. And why start him all Yeah, exactly, even, why start yeah. him? Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things, really. It is a bit, I get it, they'll be frustrating, but you also got to keep players happy and all that lot. But, yeah, it's, there are obviously some gripes. Um, again, obviously, you know, we'll just talk about defensively. I thought, you know, I said, I can't really fault many players out there. I said, we struggle to keep hold of a ball. Again, I know our attackers will come under threat. I've kind of said, again, Brozier, I thought he worked hard. He ran the channels. He did what he could off the very little service he got. Mount, quiet game, fair enough. Very happy to know that. He really, you know, been ineffective like he has been recently, uh, last few weeks. Uh, Gallagher was also, I guess, part of that sort of attacking lineup. So fine. I thought he worked hard, did a shift in the various number of roles. Obviously, struggled about right wing back role, which again, I think we kind of, kind of expected to. He's not all right back role, whether he's not, you know, he's not, doesn't play in that position. And we did play a lot of positions there. Um, yeah, it's one of those. I don't really want to talk about individuals too much again. But Pulisic, I thought, was, was a bright spark. And I guess the only real question mark people can have is should Pulisic be starting? Uh, you know, should Pulisic be starting this game? That's really the only, you know, for mm-hmm. one of those front three potential. I think that's the only real debate, you know, but from that starting lineup because I don't really see what more we can we can deal with. RJ. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Grand Potter, that's obviously, he's in, you know, Chelsea are five games now in the Premier League without a win. Only two points from him. That's not good form. It leaves us where we are in the league. It leaves us uh, in a position where Fulham could go above us. Tomorrow we are nine points behind Newcastle. We are eight points behind Spurs. We reside in eighth place. We've won six, drawn three, lost five, albeit two of those were under the previous regime. It's in a tough spot right now, and understandably, there's a lot of concerns, etc. How do you just kind of assess the job Graham Potter has done so far, and just your feelings on on what he's done, what he what's impressed you, what's disappointed you, what he needs to improve, etc. Yeah, no, you're right. The the current Premier League table picture is is quite grim in terms of being in that eighth spot at the moment and having some of inferior teams on paper in a glorious opportunity to leapfrog us. It's definitely not what we envisage, particular based on some of the transfer business that did take place. We bought a couple of strong defenders on paper. We bought a couple of very experienced attackers in Sterling and Aubameyang. And yes, there have been circumstances that have interfered with that, but it's just been um, a very disappointing state at the season at present. And like I said, the World Cup couldn't come at a better time for us to stop, reflect, reassess and work on those areas that we need working on. But I think there has been, if I try to think about Graham Potter's tenure as a whole, because like we said, beyond this recent dismal patch of form, we had a, a very good unbeaten streak, unbeaten in nine. We did look to to move the ball quicker. We were playing a lot more vertically. We were looking reinvigorated. And it's not, and this is not a dig at Thomas Tuchel because of obviously all of the great work that he brought and the success that he helped continue with our club beyond the trophies even. But it did feel towards the latter stages of his tenure, we hit a bit of a plateau 
and whether that's player induced or tactically induced or a bit of somewhere in the middle under a new manager bounce of Graham Potter, there were from at least the good old eye test, like I said, I felt there was a little bit more incisiveness, the um, a mentality to play a bit more direct. And when I say direct, it's just as another option to use a more vertical long distance pass, not just to hoof the ball into the channels and try to just get the ball out of danger. There was a bit of a tactical use of playing more direct and vertical, but also the speed of the passes and taking a bit more risk going forward. These were some of the good elements I've seen under Graham Potter and his ability to be able to be tactically flexible, which can be two ends of a sword here because the more flexible you are, the more confusing you can make it for your players if they don't fully understand it. But during the early stages, that tactical versatility and tweaks had a very positive effect on the way we were playing, I thought. A good example of this was against Manchester United. We were being overrun in the middle. Kovacic comes on because he identifies it and all of a sudden we get a lot more control of that game and and we could have actually won it had we held on at the very end. So there have been moments in which Graham Potter has been able to react positively based on how the opposition is playing at the time. Some of the improvement opportunities for Graham Potter, uh, perhaps I think with the starting 11 in terms of who he names to start these matches, but also in how in how we set up the times. Because I find... For all of the positives that we've had to react, it's because we've approached the game perhaps not in the best way or not named the best starting 11 for that particular occasion. So I think there's definitely some improvement there in terms of who we name and the type of approach we take for the the opponent. But like Graham said, sometimes when you come out, you don't perform well some of the ideas you have, you're going to be made to look silly because not everybody knows how to execute it straight away. And you can either revert back to familiar patterns and things that no players understand and work. But if you're trying to get some progress and change, you've got to sometimes write it out and risk looking silly in the process. So it becomes a little bit about how much risk are the club, the squad and us as fans willing to accept during that teething process so I think, look, it's mixed. The long and short answer is he's had a mixed bag in terms of some positive contributions with the unbeaten run, the tactical versatility, the in-game management. The negatives have obviously been the way we've had to be reactionary, perhaps um, um, mis- mistrust in certain players where I think he's trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but unfortunately they're not repaying him with some of their displays. And ultimately, I just think it's still a fairly short sample size to be um, to be too decisive in your opinion of Graham Potter. But like I said, World Cup, six weeks to embed these philosophies. Eddie Howe, what we saw with Newcastle, what we saw with Arsenal and Arteta, the common denominator is that these managers have had a very sufficient amount of time to work with their players to understand their ideas and philosophies. So I would just caution the fan pace Stay patient. Yes, have a high expectation. Have a high demand for your players. But also have a high level of consciousness that Rome wasn't built in the day. So let's just be mindful of that. Yeah, let's say Chelsea have now won five Premier League games without a win for the first time since 2012. So it is our worst run of form for a decade. I completely Mm. understand concerns. I completely get how people are frustrated, etc. of how we're playing. I get, you know, people upset and just disillusioned at Chelsea. I get all that. What I would just say is, you know, crying over the old old manager isn't, isn't going to do anything. It's not going to bring him back. He's gone. He's in the past. He was not the person for this new regime. Okay, you can be maybe a bit frustrated with the way the new regime operated things, but they're not going away. They're not, they're not going anywhere. So you're just going to kind of get on board. And look, it, it's her days... There doesn't have to be, I don't think there just needs, there needs to be any like real strong feeling towards Potter one way or the other. It's just one of those things. I think, you know, look, at, I'm going to read a tweet here. Um, 
for, from Chicago Dimitri, an account on Twitter, who just says, mm. I'm not necessarily married to the idea that Potter is the guy, but anyone who wants him sacked in the hope that there's a manager out there who would allow us to avoid a long and painful rebuild is hopelessly uh, na- naive, I think. I mean, I look at it, and ultimately, like, who else? Who, there's not really anyone out there who we could go and get right now who I think would fit this. And whatever happens, there's going to be, there's going to need to be a, a, a pain. We're going to have to go through a, a painful um, period at, at some point because you know you by not going through a painful period at, at some point you kind of it's just what we did before, just for short term, just going for the whole short termism approach, and it's just really, um, it's just really you know frustrating uh, to deal with. It, you know, <sighs> Chelsea before the start of the season, my expectations for it weren't, weren't that high. I thought we lost key players. It was going to be painful. We brought in new players. It was going to take time. We got rid of a manager, um, a brilliant manager, but a manager who was strung towards the end of it. We brought in a new manager. We're having to play games, you know, every three days. We've had to play a ridiculous amount of games since he's come in. He's had to deal with injuries. I think he struggled with dealing with those injuries. And I think that's obviously an area to improve because I don't think, Obviously, it's an issue. Predecessor struggle with injuries as well, but it's an area I think to to improve because you you know we can't just fall apart if if injury injuries do happen. You know to the extent that extent that we have, we've just got to I guess try and you know ride this ride this wave out. What we're in, as I say, the World Cup does come at a at a good time. I think you know realistically where Chelsea are, it's yeah, it's probably a bit worse for, than I expected us to be. Uh, that's absolutely fine. Um, mm. It's just one of those. I can't get too annoyed or angry or upset at where we are because we're, you know, for five or six years we've been sticking a band aid on, and that band aid is no longer effective. Is no longer effective. We need some we, surgery. Exactly, exactly. We can't, you know, deal with it. You know, it doesn't. It's not working. Or it, if it does, it will only just get us as far as it has. And you look at other clubs now, Arsenal through going through that pain. And now where they are, and that's one other club, that's one more club that's in a better spot than us, if you look at Liverpool and Man City. So by still, you know, do with your short term, there's still probably one less gap for 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 top four, et cetera. And as I said, given how we're playing, it's tough. And Newcastle, again, you know, no one would have said this off season, but they're probably a top four contender. And rightly so, it's it's tough. You've just got to got to go through it. And as I said, on today, you know, we lost um Ruben early and we lost Aspi at half time. It it's not easy. Um, you know, again, I'll just read Graham Potter's quotes because I, I do just you know, I I do kind of then will question some of it. Uh you could see the two the see the two teams different schedules. Newcastle one game a week and us after a six peak period with a lot of matches. It probably took its toll to that. What I would say to Potter is you played a very strong side against Zagreb in the Champions League. Mm. It was a dead rubber. Obviously, I get you get money for for winning the Champions League games. But if you do that and you do that, I'm not really going to have any sympathy for the excuses you make because it was a very strong team for a, a game that meant nothing other than from from the financial side. We lost Chile in it. Obviously, as I said in previous mm. one, I'm not too critical on that because Chile, it's not like Chile was playing every single week. He was being rotated with Cucurella. It's just unfortunate that maybe he was still on the pitch at that time. And maybe, who knows, maybe could Lewis Hall have come on for him? Maybe if he was in the squad, maybe five, ten minutes before etc. Anyway, continuing the quotes, the boys gave a lot, but we lacked a bit of quality. There were too many unforced errors. When we tried to play, we got through a couple of times, but there wasn't enough quality. In a game of not too many chances, they get the winner, and as much as we push at the end, it wasn't enough. Look, it's, I think it's fair to say, we lacked, we not lacked a bit of quality, we lacked a lot of quality out there today. There were a lot of unforced errors, as I've said before, midfield, giving the ball away, you know, as much as we want to criticise the attack, there's got to be a link to get it to that far. And as quiet and as anonymous as our attack was, when our midfield was struggling, you know, to deal with with Newcastle and they were getting either, you know, glided past, you know, but the midfield, unfortunately, they did not offer necessarily a huge amount go, going in forward or in either direction. They didn't really offer a huge amount. As I said, we, we did, in a game, not too many chances, they get the winner. Yeah, as I said, we didn't create as good enough chances as Newcastle got. But if we were, you know, didn't... Pope, Pope had to make two saves. Mendy had to what make one or two. Both keepers had to work him around, but unfortunately, we did not have create that quality of chance. So yeah, look, we've just got to move on. The international break mm. has been needed for a long time. We will get there. It will be painful, but ultimately, we've just got to you know just calm down. 
we've lost, we've played some games in a difficult schedule. We've got less points than we'd have liked. But I don't think at the same time we should have been expecting loads from these games given the situation we're in. It's tough. As I said, with where we are, if people aren't big on Potter, that's absolutely fine because a manager has got to earn your trust. It's You do not just give it, you know, blindly. As I said, there's not like there's anything to harp back. There's not like there's the evidence of trophies to harp back on, which I know we shouldn't just be judging him on trophies, but that's what this Chelsea fan base has been has been ingrained in for the last 20 years. So I completely understand that that way of thinking. Again, it was it was about this time, what, a year ago, I just had he was getting booed off a pitch of Brighton with their, by their own fans being being uninfused. Again, that was a bit of time in, into his reign. I get it. You know, we've lost we've lost three games. And despite the fact that, you know, two of them have been to sides in a, who were in a good place, in good form, we've had injuries. You lose those amount of games at Chelsea. There's always going to be questions because at Chelsea, despite the place we're in, there's also going to be this expectation that we've still got to perform and we're not performing right now. It's really, it's it's a tough one. It's all just kind of the world is almost just caved in all at once. We've lost we've lost key players. We've played tough games. It's just unfortunately one of those. I think you know it's probably just the way that the schedule has fallen. But it's unfortunate that with all these injuries we've had, we've had to play games against teams who are actually in in relatively good places in their season. As I said, I mean I'm not saying we would have necessarily won, but if we'd had you know different games against the teams lower down the table, I think it would have been different. And again, that's reality. And that's not really an excuse. I don't know if we had the time zone, Nick, but I was just I was just yeah. going to say, because one of, there's actually two things that stood out in the um, press conferences about the fixture schedules. Some will say, oh, that's an excuse. That's Europe. That's whatever. That's part of being a bigger club. Yes, you need to name a strong a starting lineup and an opposition for the Dynamo game, et cetera. But I was just going through the fixture list. Twelve games since October. Twelve. Yes, yeah. it's the thirteenth, fourteenth November, whatever the day is. That's an incredibly high volume of fixtures in that period of time. And it's not. It's not only the physical toll and fatigue it has relative to a team that's focused purely on domestic matters. That's not their problem. But for context, but even beyond the physical toll. Tactically speaking, if you're Graham Potter, you have less time in between games to be able to work on these little nuances. And I think people sometimes forget that. So rather than being able to sit, go through video, practice ideas on the pitch, because there were some moments that I highlight in the moment that worked quite well, but because of the frantic turnaround, 12 games since the start of October, you're your regiment is just basically about rest and recover without really training properly. So, and then you compound that with injuries to key players and as well as players that he hasn't been able to utilize. There's a pretty handy player named Kante that I'm sure he would have loved to have worked with. But beyond that, there were moments, even against Newcastle, I thought, particularly in the first half, where you saw us getting trapped down in a right-hand channel between Chalobah Aspiliqueta, Mendy, and Jorginho, there was a particular moment where Newcastle caved in on us, but Aspi was able to successfully thread a pass between two of the onrushing defenders. I think it was Trippier and Joel Linton, threaded it through them to release Jorginho, who all of a sudden fed it through to Mason Mount, and him and Lewis Hall were able to expose that space on the left-hand side because of Newcastle's press on the right-hand side. So there are these little moments where once we get that touch right, the positioning and that mentality to try those braver passes, these teams that try to press us will feel the punishment. It's just these sort of little things that we're working on that the longer we have time to perfect them at training and you're not playing every three days, we're going to start seeing better quality football is the message, basically. It's just like you said, all of these stars are aligning just from the opposite point of view. We're getting hurt from injuries. We're getting hurt from fixtures. We're getting teams now that are playing in their purple patches, respectively. Once we iron all of that out and ride the wave, we'll be all the better for it post-World Cup. So that's why I'm trying to not be overdramatic with the recent bad form that we have had. Yeah, no, exactly. And look, Chelsea struggling without key players, it's not a new thing. 
we've seen under previous <laughs> managers as well. Like this isn't new. Chelsea are struggling with injuries. You know, you, you, like Liverpool lost Virgil Van Dijk for a season, and they dropped off loads. They dropped off loads. They struggled with injuries, and their level dropped off from being champions to scraping top four. Chelsea have like Chelsea have lost players to injuries. Like, and it's fine to say like. We're not going to do as well without these players because they're very good players. We've got to obviously try and deal with that situation. As I said, I think that's where Potter has, has struggled struggled a bit, you know, in trying in trying to trying to deal with the, the injuries we've got. But it's understandable that we are where we are. Like you lose key players to Chelsea, the level of quality goes down. Chelsea do not have a squad like Manchester City's where you can just bring players in and it doesn't make a difference. You lose Reese James, you lose Ben Chilwell, you lose one of us, you lose some of the centre backs. There's a big drop off in quality. It's fine. Even Kukurea, Nick, I was going to say, even he was meant to be a backup, but he reportedly had his own issues and lost some weight as well. So even yeah. our backups are not suitably fit and healthy. So it's yeah. just even Loftus Cheek going down in the fourth minute. He's a backup midfielder. It just, it's just like you said, all the stars are aligning in terms of injuries. But yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And you've obviously, you know, Todd Bowley saw them summer acting as a sporting director because we didn't have one and he felt what we had to do. Signs all these players, then sacks the manager, and then Graham Potter's all he's got Graham Potter's like, right, fix this mess, please. Fit deal with work with these players, get all these players. And it's like, well, again, he didn't ask for these players, he wasn't here. He's got to try and work with work with all these players and work with what he's got. It's not easy. As I said, he is, you know. <laughs> Again, people won't like it, but he is learning of the job because he's never managed a job at a club like this level. He is also learning on the job. That is the reality. People might not like that, but that that's where he is. He's, you know, he's obviously a lot more experienced than someone like Frank, but he's still learning the job. He's never had this job at an elite level before, and he's still learning it and trying to figure things out. And look, again, to his credit, as much as he does it, I do think he tries stuff. I think, you know, he does try stuff. It doesn't necessarily work, but again. He's not afraid to just try stuff instead of just persisting with something and it not working. He does try stuff. Obviously, you know, we've seen him, you know, in-game adjustments, say in the previous games, having to adjust it because it not started well. But he tries stuff and at least, yeah, give something. As I said, with Potter, it's, I get the, I get the negativity sort to an extent. I get the negativity to an extent because you've, as fans, you need something to buy into and watching Chelsea over the last few, last month, there's not been necessarily a huge amount to buy into but I would just try and remember what we kind of saw before except of his context it context except the fact that you know the teams around us Tottenham Man United Liverpool aren't exactly firing either this season Liverpool obviously have now finally gone ahead of us this league season um but Tottenham aren't exactly firing Manchester United aren't exactly firing. there's a lot of teams around us as well who are who are facing their own struggles and I think in general you look at Premier League this season a lot of teams are taking points off each other you know Teams are all, all think all teams to an extent are, are struggling. Even Manchester City, uh, sort of str- you know struggle struggle today, lose a lose it to, home to Brentford, etc. Teams are you know trying to deal with playing this amount of volume of games. As I've said before on podcast, I think the general quality of games this season has dropped in the Premier League because you're asking players to play so much. And also, people aren't going to like it. We're now this was last game before the World Cup, and we last few weeks before World. Players are going to also probably be thinking, I don't want to get injured here. I've got a World Cup to go to. I've, you know, if I don't want to play this game or if I'm not necessarily going to give it my all because the World Cup is their dream. And as much as it's disappointing as fans, I also kind of get that attitude. And it's it's hard one to to shift. I think, you know, realistically, this is why you don't put a World Cup in a mid-season <laughs> because it's just a dumb idea. And, it, you know, a lot of players are missing out on it anyway. But yeah, again, it's long and it's rambled. I'm not even sure how much, how coherent all of this is. I'm just, I'm just waffling at this point, I think. But just, just I said, I guess, just try and be, just try try and be patient. Say the World Cup goes, we've got six weeks away from Chelsea. Focus your mind on other things. But find, you know, find, if there's other sports you're interested in, go watch them. If there's stuff on, on, on Netflix or the cinema, go watch that. You know, there's a World Cup on. If your country's there, support, watch it. If it, if your country's there, not well, just, I don't know, watch Messi or whatever. Watch your favourite player. Just try and get away from Chelsea for six weeks because it's, because Chelsea in 2022 have not been enjoyable. Chelsea and 22 and 22 have not been enjoyable. And I guess that probably feeds into the current feeling now that this is this is quite a, a long malaise we've been in. The fact that this probably factored in, you know, you know, going into to last season as well. So it's sort of back into last season. So it's been long and it's been ongoing. And it's been tough. It's been frustrating. It's a good but just, point, though. It has been, hasn't it? Because I know I was just thinking about when you said Chelsea hasn't been enjoyable in 2022. I'd kind of say 
for large periods, we also weren't enjoyable before that. But what we what we have done was been able to cover all over those cracks with some trophies scattered here and there. And that's unfortunately, because we are used to the whole chaos and trophies mantra, sometimes we've relied on the good old character that we've shown, the resilience, the ability to grind out a result against a bigger opponent and ultimately be a very strong cup team in recent seasons. But blended in with that, there have been numerous performances where we've been lacklustre, where we've been second best. And unfortunately, for years and years and years, we've just failed to really address critical areas of our club's operations. And obviously, there's a very unique circumstance. We have just been taken over by a new ownership group. And when you think about it critically as a club, for the period that they've taken over, look at the positive progress that they have made. They have found um, people in critical roles from sporting directors, technical directors, They've brought in a new manager that they see is from a long-term perspective and helped bring his team of people to help him succeed. They've invested some money in some players who at this stage haven't, who are flattered to deceive. But you look at the ownership group as a whole, there has been promising signs in terms of their intent. They've invested a lot. They've been quite decisive. They're not claiming to be the experts in everything but they're at least finding people that are supposedly experts in what they do. So I think thinking about it medium to long-term, yes, there's going to be some short-term pain in the process. I don't think, and it's obviously a generalisation, but I think a lot of us fans, and I admittedly yourself, myself get caught in this at times, the idea of accepting or having a tolerance for a long-term project sounds great it sounds part of the edgy sort of new modern day thing where we want to have this long-term sustainable success and want the projects to take place but ultimately when push comes to shove when that starts exposing us and having these losses here and there and we're not winning and we're not and we're out of cup competitions I think a lot of our natural reveal preference gets pushed to limit because yes I like to win down the road but I actually liked winning trophies now. I actually liked being comfortable in the top four. So to have that challenged right now is quite confronting as a fan base. So I think it's natural to be confused as a fan right now because you're used to that whole chaos and trophies idea. But at the same time, it's also just about trying to think, stay tough now, ride it out, because on the other side of the tunnel, we can not only enjoy trophies like we used to enjoy, but we also give ourselves a better opportunity to be more competitive in the actual Premier League for not just one season, but for multiple seasons. It's just being comfortable with not having to win right now. But yeah, it's something that I can understand would be confusing and confronting for us as a fans that are not used to that. But it's just, yeah, something I reflect on a lot. Yeah, and obviously... At the same time, there's this whole. I get, whenever I miss, it's one of those. I'm going to. Gary Neville often goes on sometimes the country. This is Manchester United. He kind of just responds like, you know, it's like this, this view on Manchester. And I think a lot of Chelsea fans are like, this is Chelsea. And I think we've kind of got to accept that, yeah, you know, but Chelsea, that is not the Chelsea that they once were. It's not. This idea is not the reality. This idea of what Chelsea is or was is not the current reality. And I think that needs to be needs to be accepted. Look, you, you made a great point of the ownership and we've also got to be frank, as much as we're so grateful for the old ownership, they left a massive mess behind at the end. A massive, massive mess behind that needed to be sorted out. Again, even just looking at personnel, we lost two brilliant centre-backs in the summer and needed to replace mm-hmm. them. There were other areas of the squad that needed improving, but because of mismanagement in that position, allowing five centre-backs from the club to leave to leave the club in the space of 12 months in Tamori, uh, Gerhi, uh, Rudiger, Christensen, and I think there's one more. Otherwise, I've even Colwell on loan as well to Brighton. Exactly. So there's there's been mismanagement into that extent there. So you've lost five. So then you've obviously got got to try and replace them. And the midfield, look, the midfield has been on his knees knees for years. I I I said I like I like these players. I like Jorginho. I like Mateo Kovacic. I've got a lot of love for them. They've contributed to some brilliant Chelsea moments. But we've watched Femi as a midfield pair, midfield 
in a midfield along with Kante as well for a number of years. And we've kind of seen the same thing. And obviously, it's not just on them. There's issues at the other end of the pitch as well. There's been issues behind them as well. But it's a collective thing. And if they've kind of, you know, been shown up or what it is for, for a number of years, then I think that that's an area that needs addressing as well. And it's been an, an area that's gone, you know, long overdue addressing. We need, that needs strengthening. There's a lot of other areas that need strengthening. And as I said, I don't think Chelsea necessarily even got stronger this summer because they lost players of such importance. They did their best to adequately replace the players they lost. And ultimately, one of those players who they signed is unfortunately got injured pretty early on. <laughs> That's just unfortunate. They they got a good, a pretty, you know, they got a backup for, for Ben Chilwell and that signing has been a bit hit and miss so far. Absolutely fine. And then they tried to replace Tony Rudiger with Kaldu Kibali. Kaldu Kibali, who's done okay at Chelsea. Okay, nothing more. I don't think he's been great. I don't think he's been mm. entirely like awful. He's just been okay. And he's probably a player that we signed maybe a few years too late because he was a player we linked with for a while. He's done okay, but he's not Tony Rudiger. But replacing Tony Rudiger was going to be pretty hard and pretty impossible to do. Chelsea have tried to address those issues. They lost in the summer as well as they can. Obviously, offensively, there are more questions because Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang obviously doesn't start there. He doesn't come on. In the Premier League, has been pretty disappointing. In the Champions League, he's done fine. He's done all right. In Premier League, again, has been has been pretty disappointing. Raheem Sterling is, has dropped off a bit. So it's just one of those things that said signings have not quite worked out yet. But again, it's early days and this is a chaotic, crazy season. We, I don't think we can necessarily judge these signings just yet. We, you know, It's quite hard in general. It just feels hard, very hard in general to judge Chelsea and Poster at this stage because we're not seeing a true re- representation of what Chelsea, what Chelsea are, what Chelsea can be because we're not with full full players available. We're trying to deal with the situation we're left in and we're not dealing with it very well. I think that's fair to say, but we're just, you know, it feels hard to really make strong conclusions on what we're watching. I'm the fact that, yeah, Chelsea right now in this moment are not very good, but that's not, that's nothing new from what we saw at the start of the season and the, at the end of last season. Chelsea are not very good. That, that's it's all much can... concerning. Yeah, it's right. We're not very good, but another consistent theme is, apart from not being very good, is that we seem to be very good at sustaining some very peculiar injuries and whether yep. that's just due to load relations, so being overused, or for whatever odd reason due to conditioning. But we seem to experience an inordinate amount of these injuries that are not even contact related. So I think that's just another area of the club where I've got to really do some root cause analysis and a deep dive into how we sort of manage player welfare in terms of their general health and fitness because yes a lot of these squads do get injuries etc but for the past two three seasons in particular even I remember under Frank he got dealt some heavy blows at times and it just when you when you don't successfully keep injuries to an acceptable level and you complement that with not proper investing in certain areas of the squad it's just a recipe for disaster. And I'm talking about, obviously, the midfield region here because, obviously, I think the club did a, a reasonable job in we lost two quality defenders, so binary, we, we we supplemented those defenders we lost. We got rid of likes of Timo Werner, so we brought in the likes of people like Raheem Sterling and Aubameyang. So we tried to at least offset what we lost, but then there's areas of the pitch, like the middle, the engine room, that have been neglected for years and years. And then even arguably our best midfielder that's available, Mateo Kovacic at the moment, he's been playing on one leg for large parts and Jorginho's been overused over the past couple of seasons. And we all know Kante's been running to the ground because he's a superhuman. So it's just, again, one of those things where as a club, not only do you need to reinvest in the players in key positions, Yes, we need to be better defensively. Yes, we need to be better, better attacking-wise. But if you don't invest in the middle areas, not just get players on, on loan that are opportunistic, but not only do you need to invest in the middle area, but you also need to invest in the areas of the, of the, um, of the squad to help make sure that these investments are getting protected and we're not just running them into the ground or they're at high risk of injury every time they take the pitch. So, look, there's a lot to work on. The optimistic side of me thinks not only will this six-week break give everybody a chance to reset and refresh, 
Potter will have obviously more time to focus on what he can and can't do in this short space of time. But the club as a whole will be also have more breathing space to think what can they achieve from a recruitment perspective from a January and end of season point of view. But they can also allow Graham Potter to work with the technical director, sporting director. So when we do restart the season come Boxing Day, I dare say we'll see a much more improved Chelsea outfit. It's not going to be title winners, not going to be top four contention potentially, but I do expect to see a lot more consistency and confidence in the way we, we approach games. Yeah, no, Nigel, you mentioned, you know, the midfielders said the last two summers Chelsea have addressed have addressed their midfield by signing a midfielder on loan late and having very little intention of playing him. So they've kind of been, okay, yeah, here it is, but we're not going to actually properly solve it. And again, it just kind of lays into it. And as I said, you know, it's about, you know, I mean, Ruben Loftus-Cheek goes down within four minutes of the game starting today. And again, yeah, it wasn't like anyone close to him when it when it happened. So again, I think that's got something to be looked at, you know, how we use and, you know, how we're actually using these players and how we actually manage these players because we have suffered an abnormal amount of injuries these last few seasons. Uh, and obviously, again, I get probably since COVID as well, the schedule playing a lot of games, but as fit, you know, you've got to you've got to manage that as well, and we've not managed that, and, and we've paid consequences there. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a tough one. It's it's, a, it's um, it's frustrating. As I said, there's not hugely many positives to talk about with Chelsea right now. We try like to be fairly positive on here, but it's obviously fairly tough with the, the position Chelsea find themselves in. But as I say, there's six weeks away from it now, and and ultimately. Actually, we possibly have players, you know, available. No Kepa, no Kukurela World Cup. He will have a few players to work with. Obviously, players who do have injuries, you know, about well, these six weeks now will eat into that as well, and they will be back hopefully relatively soon. You know, we won't have to play too many more games, if any, without some of them. So, look, obviously, we had to try and get through. You know, after we lost Reese James, there's probably a sense of just trying to get through to 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 to, to the World Cup. Uh, obviously, that's just one player in Reese James, but he is a very good player. Uh, and since then, injuries have followed as well. And we've we've tried to get through, and we've not got through very well. That's absolutely fine to say. But we're there now. The season is not unsavable. It's in a very difficult position where we are right now. We've got to be pretty much close to not close to face. We've probably got to, you know, we've got twenty five games left this season. And we realistically, if we want to get top four, probably need to win at least 15 of them, 15, 16 of them, uh, if we want to get top four. So that that's going to be an ask in itself. Uh, but just looking at, you know, 21 points from 14 games on average, around 70 points has got on top four in recent seasons. Although, as we said, you've got, you know, team that may be higher this year. We just don't know. But Chelsea have got a long way to go. But as I would say to people, Again, it's tough. Try not to worry about top four is what I'm going to, my advice to people. Try not to, you know, worry about that. Because right now we, we're we eight points away from, from fourth place. We've got to try and focus on getting up the table. But again, the obsession with top four is, has also been very short-termism approach from this club. that has kind of led to to nothing really getting developed. And ultimately, we it might be one of those where we just have to take the hit for a season and then just, you know, invest in this and give time. In an ideal world, we would get top four while this is all going on. But we've had circumstances that have presented themselves and made that in this current state, top four has been quite mm. tough. And we will just have to see how we go. But as we said, at the start of, you know, at the end of last season, a lot of people said when Arsenal missed out on top four, they'd be finished. That was their, that was their opportunity to sort of make that next step gone because they, they, they'd be playing Europa League football next season they'd not be able to, you know, to really make that next step. And they still managed to make that next step pretty well with playing Europa League football. Obviously, again, the naysayers about go, well, Arsenal haven't won anything yet. They've not got nothing to show for it. But right now, they're top of the Premier League. They will be top of the Premier League at Christmas. Um, how long that lasts, we'll have to wait and see. But they'll most, they will most likely get top four as well. So there's been, you know, shown something there. So just, yeah. It's a good point, Nico. I was just going to say that because I thought about this in terms of what's the worst that could happen? So say we don't make top four. What does that mean? It means we don't play in the Champions League. It means we miss out on that revenue. It means it potentially it makes it more difficult for us to entice certain players to join because perhaps they don't want to be part of a club in transition and they don't want to take the risk. But equally, 
we've seen the not the benefits, but a bit of the upside in missing out and being focusing purely on domestic matters. It might give us more of an opportunity to reassert ourselves in terms of focusing on that Premier League glory, if you will, and a bit more time, if you will, on that longer term. Because you don't have the, the Europe distraction, so to speak, it might actually have a positive benefit as a result. But to be clear, of course, we do want to finish top four. But just to paint a bit of a picture, it's not necessarily total calamity if they don't finish top four. I think as long as there is remnants of of clearly identifiable improvements or patterns of play or ideas of a philosophy, so there is some sort of positive outlook, finishing top four shouldn't be seen as a make or break. As long as, like I said, there are some moments of positivity and a positive outlook, that should be really what sort of the indicators we're looking for. But I think ultimately, if I'm a player looking at Chelsea and trying to make a decision, would I want to join that club or not? I don't think necessarily they're going to take a look and say, if they finish fifth or sixth, I'm definitely not going to play for them. But if I can see that Chelsea have invested heavily, they're backing Graham Potter, they're bringing in new data analytics teams, et cetera, et cetera. If they can see that the club is investing heavily for that long-term success, I dare say players are more open to joining just because, or they're less likely to not join just because you're not in a Champions League for one season. So it is something I quite ponder about often in terms of how damaging would it be? But it's just something that's, I suppose, a bit of a personal preference to people because the prestige of the Champions League is quite high. But ultimately, we play every season. Is one season not in the Champions League at the expense of covering the cracks better than just competing there just for the sake of competing there? So it's just an interesting viewpoint. Yeah, and look, obviously as well, if if we go by the old narrative that you can't attract the superstar names, Chelsea's transfer approach over the last few years was kind of just go for the big names and just try and fit them into a team. You know, because we've got Champions League football, we can attract them. Whereas actually, as you said, you mentioned mention, um, the data analysts and obviously the scouting, such a bringing from Brighton. If they can still go somewhere else and identify sort of hidden gems or other players and they'll have more of a budget to work with than they did at Brighton, there's no reason why they still can't, we still can't, you know, build a team without, you know, Champions League football. As I said, we want Champions League football. I love the Champions League. It's my, it's, the Champions League is kind of what I'm living for this season because it's one competition we actually look quite good in. So, you know, a Champions League run and going on that. We'll just have to win it this season. Yeah, exactly. We'll just have to win it again. Exactly. But it's just, you know, it's just one of those where I think, again, Luke's bad geology, short-termism, short-termism, Champions League top four. Yes, I think this Chelsea squad should get top four. But this kind of, we might not get that this season. And I think that means, okay, we just accept the pain and then we just, you know, take... You know, if we get Europa League football or the Europa Conference League football, okay, that's that's some form of Europe. It's not the Europe we want, but we can we can that also then provides an opportunity for some of these young youngsters we spent money on this summer, the likes of Hutchinson, the likes of Carney, Chukwemeka, the likes of, of Kasadai, etc. It will then also provide some opportunities for these players, even youngsters like Lewis Hall, etc. It will then give them an opportunity and to be able to almost be able to develop then on the side while still progressing through the ranks. As I said, we want Champions League football, but the reality is at the start of the season, I thought we'd be in a top four scrap. So if we don't get it, okay, that's fine. We just then, it's not the end of the world. It's not what we'd like, but it's not the end of the world. And Chelsea can recover from it because Chelsea missed out. Chelsea missed out on Champions League football two out of three seasons, two, two, uh, for, you know, two out of three seasons between uh, 15, 16 and 17, 18 under, under Roman Abramovich. There was that other one season, but obviously one season in between was winning the Premier League. But either side of that, we missed out on Champions League football those next seasons as well so I think ultimately just try and just try not to get and I'm realizing I'm not preaching this because football is try not to get too worked up or too upset or too stressed about what you're seeing with Chelsea right now it's not ideal it's not what we would like to see but just try and you know Chelsea this is the expectation I think last season there was expectation because we just won the Champions League can we make the next step but we have regressed and that's fine we lost players our manager, the manager who who led that has gone. And, I, and no one's, and I don't think anyone, in, I don't even think the owners think Graham Potter is as good as manager as Thomas Tuchel. He could be in the future. And that's kind of what we're, 
what we're investing in and what we're, what we're working with right now. So just try and, yeah, just try and try and be patient. Obviously, the fact that we do need to see more of a pitch and more more to give us excitement because watching Chelsea these last few games or last few weeks has not been the most exciting. There's not been necessarily loads to draw on, but also factoring the circumstances, factoring what we did. At, we did actually see some good stuff before when we've got players available. Just just try and breathe, people. I know it's not easy. I know the schedule playing every three days probably doesn't allow you to breathe, but just try and not take a nice deep breath. Just try and relax. Exactly. Just try and relax, you know, and we'll go again after the World Cup. We will see what the situation, you know, we'll, again, that's where we'll see what we can do. Just try and relax. It's not ideal. It's not the end of the world. Sorry there were no listener questions this episode. We're literally, we are recording pretty much right after the game. Uh, it works. It really, it's one time it works sort of recording with RJ and ultimately I didn't want to like, you know, wait for, for questions to come in. And also we're recording tonight, not tomorrow because England are in a cricket world cup final. So that took precedence. I'm sorry, um, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I just thought, I think we've had a pretty good general discussion there. RJ, before we go, give yourself one last plug where people can find you and find all your work. Thanks again, Nick. Been a pleasure to come back on despite the circumstances, but I'm treating this as a bit of a, a cathartic experience. It's been really relieving. And like you said, time to relax. World Cup now. Enjoy it. Go outside. Go watch some movies or shows. Read a book. Do everything else but think about Chelsea. Just leave them alone for now. They've got plenty of work to do behind the scenes. Let them carry on with their with their lives. For myself personally, I will continue to fly, fly the blue flag high as best as I can on my show, the It's a Football Thing. Find us on YouTube, the IFT pod, and I'll be joined by my two co-hosts that are Arsenal Manchester United fans. So please hop on and help out a fellow blue. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I said the link, but we'll be in the description below. As for us, we're on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you're not subscribed already, then just search that Chelsea podcast onto those platforms. Please, if you've enjoyed the show, leave a rating and a review. That always goes a long way. Whenever I tweet, put out any likes, retweets, you know, etc. Always, always appreciated. Look, it's a tough spot Chelsea find themselves in now, but we'll we'll be fine. We'll we'll weather this storm. I'm pretty confident of that. Um until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.